We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 384. I have just come back, literally, the uh, we are hours removed from me walking in the door from Andrew's wedding. Andrew is predisposed at the moment for whatever reason. You know, wedding hangovers, you know, doing doing things that he needs to do for the wedding. I don't know what's, what's happening, but Andrew is not here. In his place, we have JJ. Uh, from George's Box and Bronx Pinstripes. JJ, what's up, man? Thanks for filling in. And the crowd goes wild. <sighs> Dude, it's good to be here. Congratulations to Andrew. You know, good for you. It looked like great weather. It, it looked um, like I wanted to make... I, I've had this thing with Andrew all year where I've been making yeah. jokes about his wedding. And then you sent me a picture and I was like, ah, oh, it's fucking picturesque and perfect and like good yeah. for him. Yeah. It ended up being a really, really nice day. So we got up there, uh, Bev and my wife, we, we got up there on Saturday. It was kind of a quick trip for us because um, we had to, you know, we wanted to figure something out for, for with Kemp and we had the grandparents come over and watch and the dog and all that nonsense. So there's a lot of, a lot of things that you'll be seeing very soon uh, when it comes to travel that you have to accommodate. And uh, so we did a very quick trip up and back. And to me, the quick trips are the most like painstaking when you're going traveling, especially in airports, we have to connect and all that stuff. Um, so we did a, a trip up and back, 
Um, we got out there super early on Saturday, and it was just a really nice day. And I was very happy for them because I know the ceremony was going to be outdoors. Um, it was like a 4.30 ceremony outdoors on the water. And this is in Newport, Rhode Island. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was very picturesque. It was a very nice day. The sun was shining. The weather was warm enough for, for an outdoor ceremony. And then, um, you know, things went, things went pretty, uh, pretty she showed up. She showed up. She showed up. <laughs> he didn't, <laughs> nobody tripped. There were no like major things that happened in that capacity. Andrew, uh, didn't stumble over his words and, um, yeah, I, it was, uh, she looked beautiful. It was a, it was a nice, very nice ceremony. The, and I know you're going to want to know about the food. The food was good. I can, uh, I can tell you more about the food. Um, and maybe you could do a whole thing on the food because I could really break it down if you really wanted to. Yeah. So but it was good. I have, so I texted Andrew in the morning. So I do mm -hmm. a thing. If I'm, if I go to a wedding, I don't bring a gift. I send the gift like two weeks later. So like everything's died down and yeah. now you just have me to think about. It's very selfish. It's or extremely selfish. If I but I think everybody's doing that now too because there was no gift table or anything like that. And I think that's the new way of doing it. Oh, man. So it's no longer just I, you. I've been like out of the wedding circuit. Like I'm yeah. at that age where I'm kind of out of the wedding circuit. But now I have five weddings in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, this, so, is good, uh, this is good information for it's you. It's good though. to know. Yeah, this is good research. Uh, and then if, but if I'm not going to the wedding, I text like the morning of, but I always worry about jinxing it. Um, I don't believe in jinx Twitter, but I do. I'm like, oh man, now what if she doesn't show up? But then I realized like it wouldn't be my fault, but she showed up <laughs> or maybe it would be. I did see, I mean, in this case, like I stood a Possible. chance to ruin it a couple of times this season, but Leanne was great. I actually at our ALDS event went up to her like on the side and was like, Hey, I just want to thank you for letting me make fun of your wedding for the entire season. <laughs> and she was like, once I realized that it was all a joke, like it was cool. Um, yeah, I did notice, uh, cause you sent me a video of it. So it's not I really, did. I noticed it. He had an acapella group for like the pre ceremony time. So the, so the acapella group definitely took me back a little bit. I wasn't expecting the acapella group. And I, I felt like, so there were definitely certain things that I knew I was going to send you. And then certain things that I knew I wasn't going to send you. And because I knew of, you know, I just wasn't going to give any fuel. I was going to be, try to be like the, the, the good friend here, the good co-host and make sure that, you know, we had things set up for mostly for Leanne, not so much Andrew, but mainly for Leanne. Um, I sent a great video of them dancing that both of them looked terrific. If but you you, if, you made it in nine seconds. I wanted yeah. like a minute so I could I know dub Sweet Caroline over yeah. it. Before you even <laughs> told me those intentions, I knew, I, for whatever reason, I had a feeling that was the plan. So that's why I made something relatively short. And, uh, but I couldn't, the acapella group got me. I was like, I, got, I cannot not send a video of this. It's the whitest thing I've ever seen. He might as well <laughs> have gotten married in New Balances. Yeah. It was, I got to tell you though, when they were, they were very into it. Those guys were having a good time. Uh, but they sang the whole time. Like they sang when she was walking down the aisle, the whole thing. And it was pretty cool. The, it was pretty cool. Uh, it was, uh, it was a, a very neat little wrinkle to the, to the whole thing. Um, but they were good. And yeah, the whole thing, there really wasn't anything, you know, negative to say about it by any means. It was a, it was a great day. It was a great wedding. And how was, was meeting uh, Andrew's dad? Good. You know, I wish it was longer because there's, there's part of me that really wanted to just box him in and talk Yankees baseball for a long time. But it's really hard to do because obviously the father of the groom has people to talk to, hands to shake, 
you know, so he's going around and, and kind of working the room and talking to relatives and meeting new, uh, new, new family members from the other side as well. So um, I didn't get an extensive period to talk to him uh, just because I didn't want to be rude and take him away. But uh, very much like Andrew, like the, you know, I, I think they're definitely father son. You can see the, the mannerisms immediately. And um, you could tell that he, even just a little for a second, I brought up the Yankees and there was like a little bit of fury that like that went into his brain. I could see him get a little bit red and just a little worked up. So I backed it off a little bit because I didn't want to ruin the night and talk about Araldis Chapman, you know, giving up a home run to, uh, to Altuve. Although Andrew did say that he did bring it up the night before at the rehearsal dinner in, <laughs> in the speech. So it was brought up. He, he was thinking about it the entire time, probably. And, um, and yeah, That's so it, was, good, though. it was brought up when you're like, when you're one of us, like a baseball weirdo, it's yeah. important to have that stuff mixed in. I got married during a subway series because, you know, you book it a year in advance. Uh, aside from knowing when the world series is, um, like I didn't know it was going to be a subway series game or anything like that. And my wife's maid of honor gave me a score update during her speech. Yeah. And it's I mean, nice to have those things included. So there were certain things that that he did uh, as far as baseball, which I thought was very cool. This is so when you walk into the room and you're looking for your you know your table or whatnot, um, they had all the tables set up for bases or I'm sorry for positions on the ba- on a baseball field. So that was cool. They had and they had uh, Andrew had cufflinks for the wedding of uh, a Didi Gregorius ball in play. Um, oh, and- I have cufflinks like that, but it's Ivan Nova. From like the second game at the stadium, and it's like, oh, this stinks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, ended up being. He said, uh, "I was like, do you know what the ball was? Was it a home run ball? No, no, no. It was a ground out to shortstop. I was like, okay, well, he, he advanced the runners. You know, he did something. Not, probably not the shortstop. Maybe it was what a, base were you, or what <clears> position <throat> were you? They. So this was this was something that that we looked around at the table. I was with some of his friends and a few cousins at the table, and um, we're like, was this a shot? Is this a shot? Because we were put in left field. Ooh. Although outfield, if you look at what is the hardest position in the outfield at Yankee Stadium, one could argue that it's left field. I mean, I would just think from a 205 standpoint, you'd get right field. That's true. But no, um, we got left field. And uh, yeah, so they had like a, a long center table with all of the wedding party and dates and such, which I thought was cool. And then tables around that. I don't think I've seen that at a wedding I've been to where they have that, like a long like I did ma- that master table. It's a cool. It's a cool way to do it, um, and we takes care that. of all we the. We had dates. it on both sides. We yeah. had like her side, my side. Yeah. 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 No, that's cool. Um, so, so that was good. The uh, the music was good. People were dancing the entire time. Um, the food was good. You know, there were options to get the a plated dinner and, and what you wanted ahead of time. What'd you um, go with? I went with the beef. I went with the steak. And what Devin go with? She went with the steak because I did it. <laughs> Um, um, you don't split it. See, me and my wife, we go like chicken and beef, and then we just like kind of share. Yeah, and you know, probably should have done that looking back, but I, I knew what she wanted, and and uh, sometimes you know when you get the fish at certain weddings, sometimes like it can be like nothing. You know what I mean? Sometimes yeah. like they'll do like a salmon it's fillet, like and it's a, like a little sliver. Yeah. So I didn't really want to risk that, and and you know, especially if it's like one of the uh, like a, a super nice wedding, and they're doing like you know decorative plate, uh, plated dinners the food sometimes is just not substantial. Yeah. Um, and I knew my wife was going to be drinking. She doesn't drink a lot. So I needed to get some uh, base in there. So it was really some, some uh, forethought on that as well. And how uh, are the appetizers? Good. They had, so they had a lot of people walking around beforehand, drinks, full bar, open bar 
which is a, a must at every wedding. I'll, I'll, Obviously. Yeah. Cash bar, you kick him off the show. Right. Um, full bar, nice, good good liquors. Uh, beers were good. Wine was, was good. Uh, they were walking around with wine and champagne. Um, and, uh, yeah, everything was good there. The, the hors d'oeuvres, they had, um, you know, little zucchini, or not zucchini, eggplant, um, fried eggplant things. I don't even know what they were. They were, they were good. They had, uh, so, um, cocktail shrimp, some big jumbo shrimp that was out at a station. That was good. Uh, what else did they have? Um, polenta, like a fried, like a, it wasn't fried, but it was like a, maybe it was fried, like a lightly fried polenta. Uh, Fancy. That, that was good. Yeah, there were a couple other things that I didn't get to, but um, they were walking around and 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 plentiful and uh, and you know everything is as far as like I think you think about like the flow of a wedding, and it was good. Everything kind of went right together. There was no stall. They're, they they kind of went with the speeches and or they did the first dance and into the speeches and um, so everything was a good flow to it. What was the first dance song? I couldn't make it out of that video. You know, I don't know what I have to ask him, but it was some kind of like an indie rock thing. Uh, I don't know exactly what it was. And because um, we were, we were, my, uh, Bevan and I were asking each other what, if we each knew what it was. Yeah, and Shazam. You got to get Shazam. Was it, was it a band? Yeah. No, there was a DJ. Okay. There was, the acapella group was doing like the before and then they did a little bit of like the cocktail hour, um, but it was a DJ. And, um, and so he played a lot of, a lot of like variation of music for everybody. Cause there, you know, there were some, obviously at a wedding, you gotta, you gotta kind of appease to the younger crowd and then the older crowd. Cause you have all the relatives. So there was a good combo of like classic rock type stuff. And, um, and then like new stuff, some of the stuff I had no idea was because I'm out of touch with new music, but, um, but it was good. I thought, and the, the, the song that they danced to was a cool, I thought it was a cool song. I didn't know who it was, but I thought it was a cool song. So whatever that did means. we know that he was taking dance classes? I feel like I did know that now that I think back on it, but um, I didn't remember when they were that doing that was it. a well rehearsed box step that I saw yes. in that nine seconds. There was there were there were definitely steps to it, and um, I didn't think he had a spin in him. I saw that spin. I didn't think Andrew's there were multiple there were mu- multiple spins. There were multiple spins. That was just one of them. Class, class, class. Yeah. Uh, my wife, we did the same. We didn't do we didn't do lessons, but we did like a like a dance like that. Uh, my spins were definitely a little bit more wild, just like like aggressive. Like let's go. I remember leading up to my wedding, my wife was like, "Well, we need to practice dancing," and I was like, I, "Maybe you need to practice dancing." Yeah, right. Yeah. But I'm I'm good. And she was just like, "Well, no, in these shoes. Like I need to, I need to move around these shoes." I was like, "I don't like. Listen, I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna get out there. Like I just feel the flow, and it happens." And I, I spun the shine off those shoes. Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's kind of that's kind of where I, I like to wing those things. And uh, uh, my my wife just had the trust. But no, it was um, it was a good, it was a really good wedding. It was it was very well done. Everything was nice. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the two of them. And um, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but the her Leanne is actually from my hometown, Ridgewood, New Jersey. And you know, there's there's we didn't go to school. Uh, together at the same time there's there's an age difference there but the um it was just you know one of those small ironic things that you see the the guy that you're doing a show with and this had nothing to do with anything just very random ends up marrying a girl from the same town so it's a lot of strange things and then also her best her mother's best friend is your a very good friend is actually my best friend growing up his mother Oh wow! He was already gone by that time, and you know it was just a, a freak coincidence. But yeah, like literally, like the guy I grew up around the corner with, my, like that I've known forever, um, 
turns out to be good friends with Leanne's Leanne's parents as well. So a lot of lot of like weird uh, small world stuff. So you knew like you got to you also knew some people there. I, I did. I knew a few people just from like back in the day, but she was the only one because they were again like the, it's a. I knew some last names just from older siblings and such, but um, but there was a there was a connection there as far as like hometowns and stuff. So it was uh, that was interesting and uh, yeah, just like some super small world stuff going on there. Um, but yeah, overall I thought it was awesome. It was a really really nice time um, and. Uh, yeah, we had a great time. I know a lot of people have been asking. We've been spending some time on, on Andrew's wedding, but a lot of people have been asking about it. They were very intrigued by his dad. I do think that we'll get him on the show at some point. I don't know if Andrew will be able to be the one to do it, but I feel like now that I can make a push to get him on too because there was a, uh, you know, we had a, the face-to-face meeting and you could just see, you could see the passion. I could see the passion behind his eyes. Like the guy needs to needs to let it out into a, a creative and constructive way. And I think this is a perfect perfect way to do it. It might even be better for Andrew to not be involved. You know, like you get kind of like he could be kind of more measured or he thinks that he knows what will get his dad going or not going. Because that's the thing he always says is like, sure. if he's not just fired up, then, you know, he knows it's what not buttons good. To push. But that might, you know, that might not work. It might just be like, let let Scott get in there and, uh, you know, let it fly. Yeah. And take another angle to it. But I, I do think that that's uh that's that's something that we're gonna work on on the off season and get and get this. You know, maybe if, maybe if it's even like a, a pre-recorded thing from him because I think it's uh there's good stuff there. And, it's what um, the people want. It is what the people want. That's been very clear. It's very clear about that. Let me tell you something else that people need. That's Harry's razors. Harry's is one of our new sponsors, and we're very happy to have them. And I'm gonna tell you a little bit about them. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave, it hasn't really changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters. That's a sharp, durable razors at a fair price. I personally use uh, Harry's razors. Got to get those, you know, those in between on the cheeks. Can't go sloppy. You got to get under the neck. Got to do those things. Even though I have a beard, you got to use those, uh, those good blades to get that close shave and easy, uh, you know, an easy glide. And Harry's does it at a low price, so I actually uh, I, I use them and I and I love them. They're terrific. You could do us a favor and check them out at Harry's.com/bluewire for your free trial. Harry's is uh, the return to the essential quality durable blades at a fair price. Just two bucks per blade. It's super convenient. Blade refills are delivered to your door on your schedule with or without a prescription, and there's no risk to trying them. If you don't love the shave, you let them know and they'll give you a free refund. Listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle with a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel and aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start your to start shaving better today. So that's how you read an ad. Hey, let's go. That was that was per, that was way beyond my expectations. Ergonomical. You threw that in there, and that's not an like, easy word. That's a second half adjustment right there. Big travel day yesterday too. Yeah. Another big uh, thing that happened last week. So we got some news to talk about, right? I think there's even though the Yankee season has finished, and let me tell you, last thing on the on the wedding, lot of lot of conversation about Game Four, a lot of conversation about Game Four and what could have been. If the Yankees were at Game Four, and and you know what would have been the dynamic, because it would have been 
an away game, right? We because they got the the Dodgers lost, Yankees had home field. It would have been an away game, which is a if the Yankees made it would have been a blessing in disguise by a lot for a lot of reasons. Yeah, obviously no pressure to go to the game uh, because it's in L.A. Um, you know, I would have been in Rhode Island and not at Yankee Stadium. Obviously, Andrew would have been in Rhode Island and not Yankee Stadium, but I would have been probably a little bit more upset about that. But it didn't happen. Obviously, the Yankees didn't make it. But if it wasn't a away game, I feel like there would have been, we, we were all kind of like playing this off. There would have been like, you know, like a back room where everybody's or everybody would have been huddled around a, um, a, a phone now. I guess that's what you can do. I and feel like someone like would have at least gone series. iPad. You got to go at least iPad if it's the World Series. Like someone's yeah. got it like hidden in their jacket. Yeah. And I definitely, um, you know, I probably would have been the guy bringing an iPad. Uh, you know, I, I definitely have one that, that would have worked for that. So, um, but yeah, it would have been, it would have been interesting. I, I think it would have been, would have been fun too. Cause you have like the random table going nuts or just depending on the mood and what's happening. Uh, it would have been an interesting dynamic for it. But um, this past week, there's a couple things, obviously the, the Cashman press conference, which, you know, this is the, something that he does every year, uh, him and Boone talk and they go over all the things that we were questioning and, you know, what the Monday morning quarterback stuff that the media is going to go in and ask him. And then all of a sudden, you know, you find out about these surprise surgeries and, and injuries that nobody really knew about and things like that. Last year, it was Didi with him getting Tommy John. Um, this year, we had some news too. But before we get into the Cashman stuff, CC had some interesting things that he was talking about because he did a kind of a season wrap up and a thank you and a almost a goodbye type thing, um, but not really goodbye because he's still going to be around. Uh, but R2C2, they did that, and and he was he, he kind of you know unveiled some some interesting things. And I know you you took a listen to um, to that show, and uh, he definitely kind of revealed some things that were interesting about his shoulder and, and his time. I mean, he tore his shoulder totally up. Um, you know, he said that pretty much he had he threw three pitches after he tore everything up so his shoulder came out of i think it's called like sublexed out of the socket yeah and it went back in by the time the trainer got out there he was like it's already in so there's kind of that image of him like uh with his arm across his chest yeah and it was because they were going to pop it back in and they were like ah, it's already in and he tore everything in there like everything that you can tear in your shoulder is, is torn he said he sleeps like maybe three hours a night uh, and he's not going to get it fixed until December because he's got some travel plans, you know, for November. Um, and he doesn't, he's not in a rush back. But kind of interesting, he said, once he moved to the bullpen and realized, hey, I can get ready in 10 throws. I can get three guys out every couple days. He decided that he was going to come back. Maybe if it, maybe it wasn't going to be at the beginning of the season. But he said, you know, by July, I know I would have been back. And the interesting thing there is he kind of at first he like let it slip. He was like, you know, I would have gone, you know, to Mint. And then he stopped. He was going to say Minnesota. Um, but then later he said, you know, I could have gone to Oakland and got three guys out every day for the A's. Uh, and I don't know how much of that is real or how much of that is, you know, you're kind of getting some ratings. You know, th this is going to be your big show. Get, you know, some people talking. I mean, obviously we're talking about it normally. We wouldn't talk about an episode of CC Sabathia's podcast, um, so it, it just would have been interest, an interesting what if because I think once you go through that retirement tour and the fans kind of deal with it and you are what you were, you know, the last you know couple seasons. I don't know that the Yankees would have had a spot for him. No, there would have been a lot of criticism if they had tried to bring him back, especially in the capacity of of a um, 
of a bullpen role, something that he hasn't done before. And, you know, him talking about that's almost like a shot at the bullpen. Like, yeah, this is kind of, you know, like, I could do this. Yeah. This is, this is no problem. This is something that, um, is that a mug with your face on it? And my niece. Oh, and, and your niece. Uncle. Okay. All yeah, I yeah. saw, all I saw was your face. Yeah. Didn't see the was, niece. I think I, I get one of these like every Christmas. Okay. From, that, yeah. that makes more sense. I thought it was just one with your face on it. We're going to, you're looking into a mirror. Um, <laughs> but the, um, no, it, it's super interesting him saying that. You know, I think of like the you remember Lethal Weapon with uh, Mel Mel Gibson where he you know, dislocates the shoulder and then like bangs it against the locker to get it back into place. It's kind of my vision, like what CC would do in between innings. Like if he did it, it wouldn't matter. Like, yeah, somewhat like Gardner's gonna like ram his head with a helmet into his shoulder just to get it back into play. Something like that, I could definitely see them doing. Yeah, no, I mean that's what Gardner could have banged his bat on. So yeah, he exactly. didn't get thrown out of games. Yeah, but yeah, it's just. An interesting kind of what if he did say like now that everything's torn, but I'm not you know I can't come back I can't go through all that, um, and you know good career kind of don't love that he threw that out at the end though. So. Yeah, you know it's it is whatever. I think it's more of just the competitive spirit and saying that I could do this. It did look like he had some a uh, few milkshakes, few more, few uh, few more milkshakes normally when he came out for those postseason appearances. That um, that belt was definitely hanging holding up some stuff. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he's going to do now in terms of weight because you see guys like NFL guys like Jeff Saturday was Drop. like huge and he like dropped and CC did lose a bunch of weight a couple years ago and it kind of impacted his pitching. So, you know, he he's even said on his podcast, I gained the weight back so that I couldn't. So whenever, you know, Amber's like, what do you do? And that he's like, someone's got to pay these bills. But, um, you know. I wonder what his body's going to do next, because I could also see him just be like, I don't even have to do the little bit that I was doing to stay in some kind of a shape for just go on a year binge of eating. So for him, it's going to be all about diet, 100%. Like everything is going to be about his diet, right? So we've, he likes to eat. Like that's these, I think a lot of these NFL guys that we see shrink, they're eating so much. They're getting, adding these calories because they have to stay at weight. And that's why they're doing that. Whereas CeCe, I don't think he has that problem. I don't think he, I think he just goes about his normal business and then it's just, it's there. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's just part of his natural makeup. That could be very wrong, but just looking at it, um, I know a lot of these NFL guys have to add like insane amount of calories just because they're lifting a lot more and they're doing a lot of these things and they burn calories. So they have to add more to it. Then um, I don't know how much, eating. then I don't know how much I want him around the team then because like I listened when he had like Dellen on and all they were talking about was eating. I, I don't want him. He'll be the guy who just shows up with Krispy Kremes every day or like, ah, I just ordered 40 pizzas. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I bet he does shrink a little bit because just as you get older, I feel like your, uh, your appetite changes anyway. But um, no, I, you know, having, him, having him out of the bullpen for another year even, like if that were a spot, there's no possible. The amount of criticism, I think, I think a lot of the Yankees took some heat with him coming back this year, even though it, it did mostly work out during the season. I think he um, kind of went over some expectations with, with what fans were, were thinking he was going to be. But at the end of the season, you know, it just fell apart. And, and a lot of that is obviously, you know, the knee, uh, the shoulder, like all these things. Even when he walked off with the shoulder injury, I mean, there was a clear limp there too. Like the knee was not feeling great either. So I think it was overcompensation it was for the knee. Maybe, yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that I think could, uh, could definitely – be contributing for sure. Like your mechanics start going as much and then yeah, you're, you're overthrowing with your arm and not your, uh, your lower half. So um, we'll see. Cashman's uh, press conference though, was the kind of the, the big news. And that's talking about injuries and stuff like that. The, we had the 
Um, we had the Tommy John surgery last year with Didi, and he came back. We know how that kind of played out. It took him a lot faster to get back because Didi is a superhuman, um, but did not have the season you know that we all had hoped for, especially for him even with a, in a walk season. Who knows if that injury had anything to play with it or if it was just um, you know him having a bad season. But Hicks is the guy now that that's kind of like the uh, the surprise Tommy John surgery. He comes back for the ALCS. Has a pretty good ALCS. Had some good at bats. Obviously had that big home run in um, in Game Five that was awesome and that was really just a spark to kind of get them back into the series. Uh, but now he's going under the knife, going to get Tommy John surgery, and is out eight to ten months. So that's a that's a big blow to what the Yankees are going to be doing in the offseason. Yeah. Um, so I I always felt like there was going to be something going on, like with him going home. And I always I thought it was weird that he went home to Arizona. I mean, I don't know how it all works, but I don't know. I think if I was him and they were like, all right, you're shut down for the season, go home to Arizona, I'd be like, no, I'm going to go back to New York and be with the team. Like, I'm I'm part of this this team. Um, and when he came back, I was like, still something's not right. I mean, we didn't see him really uncork any, like, big throws from the outfield. Uh, he put together some solid at-bats. But I assume there was something else going on. You hope that it wasn't going to be Tommy John surgery, but I mean it, it is Tommy John surgery. He's going to have it uh, shortly. You, you to a certain extent wish, you know, he just did it in like August or you know whenever he was first injured, and and we'd have him back sooner for next year. But now, yeah, we're looking at another All Star, you know, time of year return for a guy who's supposed to be one of our starters, uh, and it does throw a lot of things up in the air because. I mean, Gardner's got to come back, I think. I think it's the way that the season happened with him is um, it was almost a foregone conclusion that he's going to come back, probably on another one-year deal, and he'll, he'll just continue to do these one-year deals until it doesn't make any sense. But now yeah. it makes sense. I don't think he would even you know go somewhere else. Like That's the thing. I think if the Yankees were... I, I just don't see him being the grudge guy if they're like, listen, we don't have anything for you, where he's like, all right, I'm going to go to you know Minnesota or Detroit or something like that. I don't even uh, know if it's much of a grudge, though. And like he even talked about, he did talk about this on over the summer at some point on uh, on CC's show. Is that you know he would uh, he would play. He wants to play another three to four years with some something crazy like that, where he wanted to play a long period of time. And um, so I, I'm I don't know if it would be a grudge, but I definitely think he thinks he can play. And from what we saw this year, he can play. So it's uh, it's one of those it's one of those deals now that it just makes too much sense, especially with Hicks being out and adding his flexibility that he's going to come back. And then, so then when you look at Hicks being out, so then you've got Gardner, uh, you got to get him back. We lose a little bit of leverage there in negotiations, may cost, you know, an extra million or two million a year. You don't know what's up with Stanton. You know, he's got to get healthy. I think everyone's talking about trading Stanton. It's just not going to happen. No. Uh, um, so then what happened? You've got Mike Talkman. Who, Mike Talkman's a real thing now. Yeah. Well, like, is he a real thing? I hope I mean, he's a real no, thing. I mean, no, I mean a real option, like a real thing that people are definitely talking about and the thing that, um, you know, I, I for one want to see more of a, of a sample size. People are raving about the, you know, the insane month that he had. But if you remember before that month, he was awful. And then at the end of that month and after, wasn't that great either. So there, there's, there's, he's, put, uh, he's put both things on tape, I think. But when he was good, he was really, really good. So I wonder if this need for really that fourth outfielder or what could end up being a third outfielder 
does give the Yankees a little bit more leverage back in Clint Frazier talks to say, well, we, we do kind of need him. Maybe you play up the amount that you need him because I don't know that he has you know any trade value. Uh, aside from he's got quick hands, he can't play defense, and everyone knows the Yankees hate him. So it might That's- give some leverage back that we maybe need him. I don't know how much leverage you're going to get back by by his uh, because of his outfield play. That's the biggest thing. Like the the guy really hurt himself with not 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 just the off field stuff, um, but I think to me more way more he hurt himself with the defense. Like he just he he kind of proved that he can't play defense. And it wasn't just one time. It wasn't just that one you know incident where he didn't talk to the media. I mean the guy just didn't look comfortable out there for a long period of time. And I think at that point. Um, you know, your leverage gets hurt. And, uh, and and for that reason, when you're talking about a guy that, you know, maybe he could play left field because uh, theoretically he was the guy that we wanted to play left field. And, um, you know, the defense just wasn't there. So I, I don't know where the leverage is as far as trading him and things like that. But yeah, the bat, the bat still plays. When he was there and, and playing up, the bat plays. The bat plays and he hit with runners in scoring position during the regular season like everybody, like a few other uh, uh, guys on this team. And unfortunately, that disappeared in the playoffs. But um, it's un- it's unfortunate because I think he he should have been and could have been that guy in left field. And who knows? Maybe he still can be. Maybe he can resurrect this thing and be a comeback story for the ages. And I would love nothing more for that. I, I think like a year ago, we were looking at our outfield and saying, all right, we've got Judge. We've got Stanton. We're signing Hicks to this deal. We'll bring Gardner back. Maybe he'll. Maybe Gardner won't even finish 2019 with the team. We've got Clint kind of as the future, and now it's kind of all up in the air because Judge hasn't played 150 games in the last two years. Uh, Gardner is. I mean, Gardner could sign a contract and be terrible next year. I hope he's not. I hope you know we get more of what we just saw out of him. Um, Stanton, we have no idea where he is health wise. Hicks is out for 10 months, and Clint you know, might as well just throw his glove in the East River. Well, I think one of the big, one of the big questions uh, as well, because there's, there's definitely someone coming up that we could see, I mean, he'll probably start in double A, maybe even triple A, depending on how spring goes and things like that. But, but Florial is an interesting guy um, because, you know, this guy could be either a major cog in the Yankees future outfield, um, whether it's center field. I mean, you look like at him, he's probably a natural center fielder. And uh, now that they have Hicks over, you know, his, his contract will now start the new contract after they butt out his arbitration year. Um, but they're not getting him back to the all-star break. You could see uh, Esteban Florial being either a major piece in uh, negotiations for trade. Is this a guy that they would trade away at this point? Because they definitely protected him and, and had him as a, a guy that they don't want to trade in the past. But uh, do things change now? Or is he going to be a major piece where they could trade a, a guy like... Um, uh, Frazier and, and you know add some pieces around it and then have Florial as, as kind of that staple guy in the outfield uh, you know there's going to be a lot of things to 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 see and look at I think with him as well in the offseason and what Cashman's going to do and who he's going to kind of dangle in front of other people's faces we were there when Florial broke his wrist last year oh that's right in spring was, training yeah yeah that was the spring training event yeah I mean the uh the outfield there's a lot up in the air and I think just the biggest thing is Guys got to stay healthy. We got to find ways to keep them healthy out there. So a couple other injuries that they were, uh, that Cashman was touching on um, Voight, you know, possibly if he were totally healthy, could have been an, a, an upgrade on DH. And again, like I said, there's a lot of Monday mor- morning, Monday morning quarterback stuff that's happening right now. And people talking about, you know, what could have been and what should have been 
with um, that DH spot, essentially, like that's the big spot you look at because granted the whole team, a lot of the team did not hit in the, in the postseason. But when you look at that giant hole that was in the, in the DH spot, like you're looking around and you're saying, well, what could have been better? Because anything would have been better. Stanton was obviously injured. Cashman uh, talking about the strategy of keeping him on. Um, as anybody who would have replaced him, been a, a bench guy, and they're you know they're the upside of uh, of Stanton if he could have played wouldn't have been there. Um, but I talked about this on the uh, on the other side of it, and and then also Encarnacion, he says he was healthy. They're, the Yankees are claiming he was healthy, and they were just bad at bats basically, and, and just uh, he just wasn't good. Which I don't know. It's hard for me to believe that because they were so bad and just so out of character. But the way but, but the way Cashman was talking about it was essentially like having. Stanton on the roster and the upside of a of a healthy Stanton, which he wasn't healthy, so I don't know why we're talking about the upside of that, which is to me talking out of both sides of your mouth. But not having a guy like um, Mike Ford or uh, or Talkman or or somebody else in that spot, you know, they would have been on the bench. But who, if you have an injured guy, then what's what's the point of that? You know, maybe a pinch hitter late in a game against some of their strong right-handed pitching could have been an asset like a Mike Ford and he's done it before and he's hit home runs in those spots before. So um, I question that. That was my big question uh, at the end of the day. I think, you know, when, when we talk about Monday morning quarterbacking, if we took Stanton out and put any of those guys in and those guys didn't hit three home runs and, and we, and we still lose the series, whatever it is, we still lose the series. It was the bad move. Uh, it's just the way we are as Yankee fans. There is nothing that makes us happy besides right. raising the trophy at the end of the season. So, you know, I think when you have Stanton and you, you know, hope he can put together the at-bats that, you know, we saw him go in game one. We saw him go to, to right center field. And when he's driving that ball to right center field, instead of flailing at sliders in the dirt, that's when he's really starting to cook. And all of a sudden... He's injured. Like, I thought after that game one, he's like, we're about to see this huge ALCS. And now all of a sudden he's injured. We were at game five and you could see him, you know, limping down, you know, down the base path when he grounded out. You see him limping to the dugout. I don't know if they were looking for like a Kirk Gibson type moment where they could bring him in off the bench. Um, I think the big thing now is we're not going to trade him there. I don't think there's a trade partner for him. And I think that if we can get him healthy, he's still one of the best baseball players in the world. So, you know, we are a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately fan base. So if he could come back next year and he hits 40 home runs, we'll totally forget about this year, especially if we win a World Series. Um, so, and the, the idea that if we just bought him some time, he'd be fine for maybe the World Series, I kind of agree with. If you, if you take him off that ALCS roster... He's, you know, we lose him for the World Series. And then if he comes back, if they say, oh, well, he was healthy, but we couldn't use him, but we took him off so we could get Mike Talkman on there or Mike Ford on there to possibly pinch hit. Um, I, I just think with our playoff roster, we weren't worried about pinch hitting. Whoever our nine guys were in that lineup, we're going to be the nine guys that stayed in that lineup for the entire game, unless we had a big lead and we went with, you know, a Cameron Mabin for defensive purposes at times. Um, and then Edwin, I, I think, you know, it, it's hard to say he wasn't injured, was injured, because we're not doctors. But if he's not you're injured... A, you're, not a, you're not a doctor. Yes, you. I forgot. You are a medical right. professional. Thank you. Um, they have, like, everything about him that made him a good pickup, it really wasn't just the home runs. It was 
veteran professional at bats, seeing a lot of pitches, not chasing out of the strike zone. That's the thing. Everything you want out of a veteran, he all of a sudden looked like uh, a rookie who had a really hot season, hit a bunch of home runs, and then when the spotlight got big, fell apart. Like he, he looked like he forgot what he was doing. Everything that is that like extra value for him totally disappeared. Which is why I still tend to, to lean on the side that there wasn't, you know, he wasn't 100% healthy because that's not him. He's a, he's a guy that has been around for too long to have that, those, those terrible at-bats. Like that's, that's just his makeup is, is working the count, having those good at-bats. And when you see the type of thing, those flailing swings at off-speed pitches outside, you know, it's just not, not who he is not, and not what he's put on paper and tape for years and years and years and years. Like that guy is an assassin. He goes up there and destroys the baseball and no moment is big for him. Like, did you not see him walking into Houston with the entourage? Like, yeah, that was selling that was cocaine. EE, like not giving a rat's ass about anything else, knowing who he is and why he's there. So um, that's why, you know, to me, like that's even the way he was swinging, like to me, pulling off some pitches, like screams, the oblique was hurt. Yeah. Or at I, least I, not comfortable. Well, yeah, it, maybe it wasn't hurt, but there was some kind of overcompensation or, you know, it's in the back of his head. Like I can't, I can't get to there without hurting myself. You know, I, I'm not going to be able to reach the pitches and, and drive the ball the way I have without now further injuring myself. And then it's me and Stanton on the bench together. One thing that Andrew and I have talked about in, in uh, to, at nauseum, and I, I truly do hope that the Yankees brass fixes this issue because it's an issue. When they have these long, when they have these long um, trips and they're going across country, the fact that these guys are jammed into a plane and have no leg room to stretch out with all the soft tissue injuries and all of these things, they need to have pods so that they can lay out and actually stretch their bodies and get a good night's sleep. And in these pods, they need to have sleep number beds. Because if you're doing that, you can make the adjustments. You can have all the things you need to do to have a good night's sleep, to get the rest you need. And we all know sleep is important. But consider someone you know who's also in the military or a veteran. Imagine how much of a good night's sleep means to them. We're not talking about just ball players, but our, our military folks. Those guys need sleep. From military heroes to everyday heroes, the new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed helps everyone get the proven quality sleep that will change their life. Sleep impacts your creativity, your mood, your patience, your willpower, your at-bats, your physical and mental health. You spend one-third of your life asleep. Um, you got to make sure that according to Sleep Number, the, uh, the optimum sleep environment is 65 degrees with 65% humidity. We could get that, I think, in, in, a, in a plane in your pod. There's no problems with that. The, they're the New York Yankees. They can, uh, they can affect the temperature and the climate. At 65 degrees, our bodies remain thermally neutral, meaning they don't have to do anything to create or shed heat. Um, the reasons why Sleep Number is the smartest choice for better sleep and the, the best choice for, for you uh, and your significant other is the sleep number beds allow you to adjust each side for the ideal firmness. The, the bed, um, the 360 smart bed senses your movement and automatically adjusts to keeping you sleeping comfortable through the night. Uh, experience the smart, effortless comfort of the sleep number 360 smart bed. During the Veterans Day sale, save $1,000 on the new sleep number 360 special edition smart bed. Now only $1,799 plus exclusive savings for military and vets. You can only find Sleep Number at one of their 600 Sleep Number stores nationwide. Find one near you at sleepnumber.com slash Bronx. 
I didn't even know we were going into an ad there. That was a great transition. It got a little choppy in the middle. Closed strong. Thank you, thank you. I need water. <clears throat> That's why I've ran, my, my voice almost went down. Um, but, you know, like the next thing, so talking about the, the press conference and the injuries were obviously a big thing. The next big, the big topic of conversation, and we saw some back and forth. We saw it get a little testy, especially with Sweeney and, and Cashman. Um, but it was talks about the the pitching. And, you know, I think so many people have been questioning the strategy and what the Yankees have done in the offseason and how they've attacked these free agent guys, whether it was the offseason or trade deadline, uh, but specifically looking at the guys that are still in the in the playoffs with Verlander and Cole and Corbin and um, and what the strategy was to get them. And, and Cashman kind of went through all of these things um, and his back and forth. I don't know if you saw the um, the back and forth with him and Sweeney, but it got, it got a little contentious in the sense that like he, Sweeney was kind of challenging if they truly did go all in or, or if they did miss on these guys and how Cashman felt about that. Um, but he essentially said that, that they didn't. He said that they missed because their offers may not have been as strong as the other ones, but it, but they didn't miss um, by by not offering them or by not going after them. He feels like they went after them according to their process. So I've compared this to, like, so we want to win the World Series. We want to win the World Series every year. I think everyone wants to win the World Series every year. It's really the only thing we accept in New York, whether it's fans, media, you know, whoever you are, that's the only thing that we accept as success. But for some of the things that people want to happen, um, even like looking at this year, everyone wants Chapman's going to opt out. We need to re-sign him. We need to give Didi um, uh, an extension, and he's going to ask for $15, $17 million a year, and we need to get Garrett Cole. Um, and then we need to get another starter, maybe Zach Wheeler. So it's like now our payroll's $350 million. And that's like being in a relationship and saying, like, you need to take me to Nobu on a date every night, but you also need to be able to pay the mortgage. Like, you just can't do that. It, it but you're also telling, you're also making sure that that other person has, you know, uh, is 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 already well off and saying you're saying if you're going to use that comparison, the your significant other is already just you know retired at the age of thirty. Yeah, and. But like at a certain point, like the Yankees are a business. It's dot com. It's not dot org. You know, we're not giving money away here. We're they're trying to make money. And yes, they make a lot of money. But when you look at some of the pitchers, like you know Verlander, everyone talks about is like, well, why didn't we get him? And it was you know two three years ago we wanted to get under the luxury tax so we could have this big offseason last year and get Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who we ended up not getting. So you know some people are upset about that. I think what people are forgetting is. At the end of his time in Detroit, like Justin Verlander was terrible. He was a real, he was a middle of the road pitcher. He reinvented himself down in, um, in Houston, and now he's going to win a Cy Young. But he, it looked like he was towards the tail end of his career very quickly. Um, you know, Garrett Cole, we made offers to Pittsburgh. Houston made a better offer. Uh, when we had that, you know, the farm system that we have, yes, it'd be great to have Garrett Cole on our side this year. But, you know, when Cashman said it really wasn't our pitching that did us in, it was our hitting. If you could pick two times to just add a base hit to that series, you add in game two, Edwin's on second base, ninth inning, base hit, we win that game. And in game four, yeah, no, game three, you add a base hit. In the first inning, when Granky's got the bases loaded and just walked in a run, we're up now three nothing, and we probably pile it on. 
we win that series in five games. Like We were two base hits away from the World Series, so I understand the idea that, yes, we need the deep pitching, we need guys who can go seven innings, so that Chad Green, by the time we have to use an opener in game six of the ALCS, hasn't already thrown 50-something pitches uh, to the Astros, you know, and, and give away that element of surprise that the bullpen tends to have. Especially when our you're a two-pitcher guy, pitching a half guy, yeah. Yeah, our, our, you know, we're two hits away from it. We weren't necessarily a seven-inning start uh, away from it. This team, 2018, was better than 2000. Uh, 2019 was better than 2018. Um, and now we just kind of have to keep the momentum going. I think the Monday morning quarterback is, is just tough because – like now we, we have flexibility to go after a call and we can try to get a call at 29, provided the price makes sense. If someone wants to overspend on a guy on a long contract, you know, you can't be mad that we're not signing these guys to the long contracts and at the same time saying we need to cut Ellsbury when we're getting 70% of his salary back on insurance and we would lose that if we were to cut him. There's, so there's a bunch of stuff. Like the Verlander thing, <clears throat> I, I think a lot of that was motivation as well. I think it was a, a complacency that had set in in Detroit. I mean, that team went absolutely nowhere fast. And uh, I, I think that there's there's definitely a real thing when you talk about a revitalization as far as like getting into a new clubhouse. and um, Because the arm talent, I don't think, ever went away. Like the guy never really lost anything on his arm. It was the results. And I think you can definitely see a lot of that because of the Detroit thing. Uh, but again, they, like you said, they, they weren't really in a position – um, to, to do that because of the mandate for the luxury tax. They had to get under it. Uh, people don't want to hear that, but it's a real thing. They would have been wasting that money on, on luxury tax penalties rather than trying to <clears throat> allocate it towards players. And it would have been probably a, a worse down trickle effect than, than what we had. And yeah, this offseason, while you want to see, I'm sorry, this postseason, while you want to see those guys get deeper into the games, it's not the Yankees' philosophy right now for them to get deep into games. Paxton probably could have gotten deeper in some cases. Not the first, not his first outing, but you, you want. And Tanaka could have gotten deeper. You're seeing these guys that are pulled back because of the uh, the analytic approach, because they don't want him to go through that third time around of the lineup. And you know, I was I tweeted something uh, during the World Series that I thought was just interesting because when you're seeing a guy like uh, on the national side, Strasburg was in like the sixth inning, I think it was. Um, uh, I think it was game two, right? The uh, yeah. Then he had 110 pitches or something like that. And he was left in there to get work out of a, a work out of a jam, like zero chance in hell that he's letting he's allowed to do that if he's on the Yankees. Probably not even starting the sixth inning, you know. So there's a, there's just a different element of philosophy, and it's and it's the way that the the Yankees built this team. And I think some of it does lie on rely on the fact that they did miss out on some of these pitchers, so they went heavier on the bullpen, and that's how they felt they could get length in the game is by going bullpen. It's just when you start getting deeper into the series of these post-game series and you start, if you can't close it out in, you know, four games, five games, kind of like the uh, Kansas City Royals did when they had that super bullpen, and you start getting into six, seven games, it becomes more of a problem because now you're relying on guys that are, are seen more often or throwing more pitches, throwing more consecutive days, especially if you rain, add a rain delay in there. There's just a lot more elements that, that will go against you because you're looking for, you know, top, performance at, top performances from more people. And it just gets it gets uh, it gets sketchy in that sense. So, I personally think it's a flawed process in the in the way that they build that team. Um, but when you don't have the elements to go after, like the way that P- Patrick Corbin was signed by the um, the Nationals, like I, I couldn't see how the Yankees were going to match that deal. 
they gave him an insane amount of money. And yeah, it looks like it worked out so far this year, although he didn't have a good outing uh, in the World Series. It looks like year one has worked out, but let's see how the rest of that contract also works out because you're not getting paid off just one year. Um, also, if we were in the World Series and he did what he did on the mound, killed, and we end up losing the World Series the way it looks like the Nationals are going to, it's a failure. Cashman gets destroyed for overpaying for a guy. And, and yeah, now we'll see if like this this guy becomes an anchor on the um, on the the you know the um, the salary cap and all these other things that they're that they're going for. So who can I actually ask you a question on that? Yeah, because you are, and this isn't. I'm not trying to make like an age joke here. Yeah, but you're older than me. Do you remember what it was like in 1998? Because like, I was only 13. Like, did anyone complain about anything? Like, what was sports radio like then? I don't know. I was in. I was my first year in college, so I don't remember a lot of that. But um, the, <laughs> the uh, I mean, 98, yeah, it was it was still, it was sports radio. Honestly, you get like a lot of the same callers now on like WFAN than you did then. It was just, uh, you probably got a lot more of them where as they're not complaining on Twitter, you get, you know, you get, uh, you get Vinny and New Rochelle complaining about whatever. Uh, but you get a lot more of those guys on, uh, on WFAN. I think those guys are still calling in, honestly. But um, the... It's 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 you don't you don't have the capacity to complain in more places. Like now you can you can yell at in multiple ways and you, you could be seen in multiple ways because of the way that it, the media has advanced. Um, so I think still people had these feelings. They just you know they weren't they weren't out there as much. You're doing it within your own family or within your in the house of your you're, you're watching the game. Um, you know you have parties to watch the game more often and with your buddies because you're not hanging out on social media. It's just different. But I, I still think everybody in New York tri-state area was complaining just as much. Uh, the fact is, in 98, you know, we had 96. We had a team that was out there, you know, doing amazing things. And um, I don't think that – I think now, because of the way social media is, there's a negative type of um, uh, narrative that can that can really get into the way that sports fans see a team way faster. And it can be it, – it can, it can infest a fan base way faster and deeper because of the way social media is today. I just think everyone wants to be the first guy who gave up on the team rather than being the last guy who still believed now. It's much easier to draw a reaction by everything stinks, everything's terrible, this team's awful, than to just be like, I believe in this team. I, be like, I believed in the New York Yankees until Altuve's ball landed. It was in the air, and I still believed that, you know, the air conditioning could have knocked it down. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that doesn't leave uh, a game until the end. I I won't. I'm never giving up on a team because, especially this year, with with the amount of, uh, you know, things that they overcame in the in the in the regular season, you know, that's just one of these th the feelings, one of the narratives on this team. And I think that's that's another one of these things they were talking about. You know, when you when when Boone and Cashman are asking how they thought this team went down, um, and how they felt about this team, and if it was a failure, obviously everybody's talking about. Failure because you didn't get a World Series. And they know that. At the end of the day, it wasn't what they achieved. It wasn't what they wanted to achieve. But they felt good about how they went about this season and the fact that this next man up was deployed essentially, you know, uh, and they did the things that they did in the regular season. I think that when you're looking back on the season itself, you know, it was a strong season in the sense that they actually were in a position to compete at the end when their guys were healthy because it could have gone the other way. And I think if it did go the other way, there wouldn't have been as much criticism because of the amount of injuries. 
And that's something that nobody really talks about because at the end, because what happened was is they did overcome it. And when you do overcome it and you're in that position, now the expectations are back. The expectations are set where they, where they would have been, but it very easily could have gone the other way. Yeah. I mean, I think even just like looking forward, like there's just no way that we have the injuries that we had this year, next year. So like things have to just keep getting better. Yeah. You hope, you know, or that's the optimist side. That is the optimist side. And I'm glass half full. I agree with that. Um, you know, things that they're going to be looking at, obviously the, uh, Jay Happ is coming back for another year. People didn't, uh, people were all over him because of, uh, the season they had and rightfully so. I mean, he had a really bad season. Who knows what happens with the, with the, the juiced ball next year and all that stuff. I, I do think that affected him. I think it affected pretty much every fly ball pitcher out there. Um, home runs were flying out. He just didn't make the adjustments he needed to uh, to make it during the season. We'll see what happens next year, but he's going to be on this roster uh, more than likely, and he's going to be a guy there. Dallas Keuchel's another guy that they missed on. Um, so the the whole process and how they went about these guys, uh, Cashman basically said that they took their shots. Some of them they missed. Some of them they didn't, but they, they went through their process. And it's not like they passed on the guys. They made their um, they made their best offers, and sometimes they just weren't good enough. And they feel good about. You got to do it on your terms. You can't just you you can't just fold to anyone because I think in the late '90s, especially like in the mid 2000s, when we were really chasing another championship, it, the idea was if you become a free agent, leverage the Yankees against everyone. When it comes to a trade deadline, leverage the Yankees against everyone. And now that once. Steinbrenner died, and Cashman really got you know more control, more of the reins. He's not going to be taken advantage of. He's not going to be the person that you know can be used as a tool for other teams to get better. Uh, and he's not going to be taken advantage of to overspend. No, and right, they have a blueprint. They have they know where they want to be, and um, I think that's part of the criticism though that is that is the adjustments that they don't make. You know, on the Patrick Corbin contract. They're not going to make that that big adjustment to go and um, and to spend extra money because they're in that sense of desperation. They're not going to do that. They're not going to go and and make the um, you know the extra offer and sell more of their future with some of the prospect that they believe in just to make a knee jerk reaction to a guy. Because when you look at what happened this year and the fact that they didn't sign Machado, that they didn't sign um, Bryce Harper, none of that affected what happened this year. Obviously, Gio Urshela filled in beautifully, right? We Nobody expected that. But that was one of those under-the-radar moves that Cashman did. He believes in his guys, the people that are out there scouting, and um, you know they didn't expect the offensive uh, output that he did. Obviously, nobody did. Uh, but the analytics and some of their nerds did say that, hey, this guy's got more potential at that spot, and it worked out. Um, and then you, you look at some of the other things that they did with the, with the guys that they brought in. You know, a lot of these things made made sense. And uh, even with the pitching, you know, they did get Severino back. It didn't work out uh, totally at the end because, you know, he couldn't get the depth and nor was he the, as, as effective as a guy as we had all hoped. But he was there and they were in a position to win the game. And I think, like you said earlier, a couple hits away, you know, just a couple hits away from from making the, the World Series. And honestly, that is where the the whole thing went down is, is um, the thing that, that they were touting all year long and that they were leaning on, and that was, uh, runners in scoring position, hitting with that, hitting with two outs, failed them in the in the um, in the playoffs in the ALCS specifically, and unfortunately that was the reason. And a lot of people I mean, I, look at it for different reasons. I think when you look at like the you know back to like Verlander and Cole and the opportunities there, we won 103 games, and yes, if we had one of or both of the two best pitchers in baseball, the team would be better. Like that's all it comes down to. Like yes, if we had all the best players, we'd be better. 
If I were, if I could dunk, I'd be better at basketball. <laughs> if I was six foot seven, I'd be better at basketball. Yeah. Um, the other thing, you know, yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's just one of those things. You could look back and, and analyze it as much as you can. And I think that, you know, Cash Redeemed said also like some of the influences, if they had gone out and spent extra money on certain people, then, you know, who knows? Maybe DJ LeMahieu is not a guy that they bring in. Maybe they, they don't go and, and, and get the people that they want that really contributed to, um, you know, to making this season uh, a regular season success in the sense that they won 103 games and got into a position. Um, yeah, there's definitely a butterfly effect to those, you know, to making moves a year or two, three years ago. Guys, another butterfly effect. If you don't want to get your your presence late to your people, if you want to make sure that you are the hero at uh, during the holidays, you want to make sure that you get them their gifts in time. The holiday rush, the holiday rush is coming. And if you sell stuff online, you get uh, you better get ready for ShipStation. If you buy things online, uh, ShipStation is a way that that people are going to be sending you those gifts. With more people buying online than ever, you have to be able to ship orders out quickly, efficiently, and affordably. But how do you do that and keep track of all those orders or decide which shipping carrier to use or if you're getting the best rates? Luckily, ShipStation can help. With just a few clicks, you'll be managing orders, printing labels, and getting those products out the door and delivered in time for the holidays. Um, that's something that that you know we do. We ship things out. Um, using ShipStation for the Bronx Pinstripes, we try to get things out as fast as we possibly can. No matter where you're selling it, whether it's Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation uh, brings all of your orders to one simple interface, making them really easy to manage from any device, even from your cell phone. Um, and ShipStation does work with all major carriers, USPS, FedEx, UPS, so you can compare rates and make sure that you're getting the best solution for your customers. They do offer big discounts on shipping costs as well. So, um, you know, any business can access the same postage discounts that are usually reserved for large future uh, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, it's no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. Take the hassle out of sh- out of uh, holiday shipping this year. Let ShipStation handle the ha- handle everything at ease. Just use our offer code BLUE to get 60-day free trial. That's two months free of no hassle, stress-free holiday shipping. Just visit ShipStation.com. Click the microphone at the top right and type in BLUE. ShipStation.com. Enter offer code BLUE. ShipStation. Make ship happen. All right. We had some mailbags that we didn't get to last episode, and uh, I want to talk about some of these some of these things because uh, I thought there were some good reactions after the season. So we're gonna get into that first one. First mailbag is from Mike, and again, some of these are a couple weeks old from uh, from when the Yankees got knocked out. So these are some some raw things that guys are thinking. Hey guys, just wanted to offer some positivity now that I'm sober and a day removed. I will still cherish the great moments from this season and this series. Tanaka's continued postseason mastery. Glaber's breakout as a clutch October star. Uh, Paxton nutting up in game five. Hicks dinging the foul pole. The, euphor- the euphoria, of, euphoria of DJ's home run. These great moments are erased from history just because we didn't go all the way. For example, some of the most celebrated moments from the dynasty area came uh, from years we didn't win, including the legendary comebacks of 2001. Against Arizona, even Jeter's Mr. October nickname comes from a series that we lost. There are few things more awesome than watching your your team play deep into October. And our guys uh, gave us two weeks of thrilling baseball. So remember, that's more uh, than most fans get. And this is from Mike. What do you think about that? What do you think about the moments that might be lost or, or potentially lost because of the, the fact that they didn't get to the World Series? Um, so it's a thing that, like, personally, I'm going through. I'm trying to think of, like, 
how much will this season like really mean to me in the long run just based on like my age yeah like you know all those like dynasty era stuff is like i'm in high school so it's like everything's crazy like these guys are still my heroes now i'm older than a lot of these guys so i feel like it's a little different i mean i think it was it was a great season i had a lot of fun from a personal standpoint I wasn't making content in 2018, came back in 2019 uh, with Bronx Pinstripes, had a great time, met a lot of great people, had a lot of great events. We had a lot of big wins. Um, I mean, we had a walk-off at one of our events. We had, you know, these postseason moments where, like, yes, Hicks hits that home run in the first inning. We were there, and that's awesome. And DJ LeMayhew ended his season being the machine that, you know, he has been all year. Uh, we saw, you know, the progression of Glaber to become like a real powerhouse. We've seen, uh, the, you know, the emergence of Gio Urshela. You know, I, I enjoy baseball, and I, I use it. You know, I, I use the analogy that um, I got from Big Cat uh, when he talks about football season. That you got to remember, it's like a sandwich, and sometimes we have a good sandwich, and we don't realize how good it is until it's that last like bite or two, and we're like, oh, I wish I had more sandwich. And that's what like baseball is. It's long. I mean, we'll be back talking about spring training like in a couple of weeks. But, you know, we get the highs and lows. I said this on the last George's box. It's a roller coaster. The highs are as high as you can get. The lows are as low as you can get. If you just want to go on a flat level, go cheer for the Reds because it's the same eh, every season. You know, this it's a I, every day is a great day to be a Yankee fan. This season was a great year to be a Yankee fan. Yes, we didn't get it done, but we're right there, and we have the core to get it done. Like Our window is not closing. It's not even close to close because we're, we have the opportunity and flexibility to still continue to get better. We have some guys who might opt out of contracts or guys who are coming off the books both this year and then like $44 million between Ellsbury and Tanaka next year that we can continue to get better, continue to reload that, you know, it, it's a great time to be a Yankees fan because another dynasty can be right around the corner. And, and that's very true. And I think that, um, you know, the thing about what Mike was talking about, like, honestly, even the, even the legendary comebacks of 2001, like I, I'm going to be very real with that one. Like, that's not what I remember from that series. Those aren't the like ending takes. I still remember losing very very vividly in that in that series and like that's the I broke up with a girl over yeah, that. Yeah, like I was seeing a girl who was a Met fan and when they lost she it was like like landline phone still so it was like I could call her hat like we were on AIM and she was like call my like personal line and I did it and she was just like it's all right there's always next year and I gunned the phone against the wall and woke my parents up. Yeah. Why are you calling um, that late? Yeah, like, Why are you calling after 10 o'clock? Now you get me in trouble. Like that's what I remember. Is that anger? Yeah, no, yeah. So I, I, the those things, and honestly, I think that um, even he's talking about the Mister November thing. Like, I don't think people remembered that that came from a loss. I think that they just remember the Mister November thing. So, may, so maybe that's a that's one of those 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 um, those overwhelming narratives where people just remember what happened and not the uh, the result. But that's like a longevity thing. Like the reason he was Mister November because of the uh, you know the way that it worked out and and they were playing games late later in the year, and that was kind of the first time as well. Um, I think I'll remember, you know, the next man up thing. I, I talked about this on the last show. Uh, I think the the overwhelming thing from this season is that these guys got to a point where I don't think many people expected them to go to. Or if you look back when the amount of injuries that they actually did happen, um, you will now look at that and I think say, okay, you know, they got they won 103 games in a season that they should have had no business winning 103 games, and that happened. Um, Lemayhu was a, a revolution. 
for for what have what you know what you expect from a baseball player now. Like the guy's like the gritty throwback dude, um, and the fact that he did hit that home run um, at the end, I think uh, we'll we'll take that. And I do hope. I'm surprised he wears batting gloves. Me too. Seems like a no batting. Yeah, oh yeah. I, I've I've talked about that. Absolutely. I'm surprised he does too. Um, I I think that. It would not surprise me if uh, at one point he's like, you know what? I don't need this. I was kind of joking, but we'll talk about this in a minute, actually, because we're going to talk about an extension for him. But um, yeah, I, I think I'll remember it as a uh, as a season that that didn't work out, but the Yankees kind of overachieved in a sense. And, and it's because all of the, a lot of the name players were not there. Um, so I think it was actually a, a very good season for Boone. And, and hopefully it's one of those that they can look back on that's per, that will propel them and uh, has added to the depth. And, um, and, and they can you know, kind of move forward in a much more positive way and, and build on that. But um, hopefully the uh, the Nationals can still pull this off and, and, and stop the Astros, but not looking good right now. Uh, next one is from Danny. Interesting article about Hicks. This is uh, Nick Kirby's article. Uh, I'm one of those people who has never been high on him. Girardi surprised uh, many people picking Judge over Hicks in 2017. Then Ellsbury vanished and Hicks somehow ended up in center field. And then they sign him to this big contract and uh, suddenly he can't play anymore while Gardner continues to do his thing at a fraction of the cost. Uh, Hicks is the this year's version of Ellsbury. I, for one, would not be upset if he never played for a game on the Yankees ever again. Um, Hicks did come into, cold, come into the ALCS cold, uh, 353 OBP with 17 plate appearances. Uh, but he also had that big three-run home run, obviously, in game five. So you saw good at-bats when he was in there. Um, obviously had that big clutch at bat uh, in the uh, in game five with that three run home run that really was the only thing that was good out of that game because if you remember after that Verlander shut down the team and if they didn't get that home run probably would have been over at that point so um, he did extend to put themselves in a position uh, and then the defense you can't talk anything bad about his defense he's the best defender on the team I think um, when you're talking about range and things like that uh, so I don't know I don't necessarily put it as as much as Danny. I think he's an effective player. Problem is, is the health. Yeah, he can't stay on the field. Very different situation for what Ellsbury is. When you're looking to AAV compared to Ellsbury, like it's not a comparison. It's a value contract. If the if the guy is on the field, he's going to exceed that contract. But that's a huge yeah, question I, mark. I think you know, seven years, seventy million dollars is also. I, I said when we signed him to this extension on George's box that. That's a contract that if it's not working in like year five, you can just walk away from yeah. it. You know, you can't like you can't walk away from an Ellsbury contract because it's just so much money counting against you. To say that because Hicks had, you know, and he's had like the back problems and stuff, which were, was questionable even when we signed this contract. But to say that the guy came back and then on a freak throw had Tommy, you know, needs Tommy John surgery. I never want him in a uniform again. We're being dramatic here, Danny, because I never really have an issue with injuries that happen in a game on the field. Like if you're making like a good play, you're making a, a strong throw, and you end up needing Tommy John surgery as an outfielder, that's a freak accident. Now the hope is that while he has this 10 months off and they, you know, they're rehabbing the arm and focusing on that, take advantage of that for whatever has gone on with the rest of his body whether it's a back, whether it's a hip, you know, just rest those things or massage them. Or again, you're the doctor, I'm right. not. But whatever it is that can make, you know, him come back as a whole better, he adds so much value in, you know, he gets on base, he sees a lot of pitches. You know, he's uh, the, the defense is great, the arm's great, 
But when we won all those World Series in the late 90s, we were seeing a lot of pitches. And that's what he does. He wears out a starter. He goes out there and he'll put together a 10 pitch at bat, a regular, like, you know, seven pitches. He's not going up there seeing three pitches and heading back. Yeah, no, I think out. he does add a lot of value there. And and to me, like the that's that's the the key is is that this contract is is team friendly. I mean, it's extremely team friendly. I know it's long and people see the number 70 million, but when you see the the number of years attached to it as well. I think also people are like, oh my God, that's so long. But break down it per year and how much it actually adds to uh, the payroll and the contract. It's it's a very it's a good contract for a guy um, that you know if his seven years is going to be two Garrett Cole right. years. Well, I mean, granted, you could win Garrett Cole could be a difference maker in winning a World Series because he's a shutdown guy. But the thing is, like, he doesn't affect the flexibility of the team like an Ellsbury does. Does not affect it. Nothing that all you're going to do is either have a guy that's not as effective on a ten year, ten million dollar deal, or you're going to have a guy that well exceeds that contract. Um, and uh, and I think his value there is it was a smart move to lock it down. And I think, you know, maybe it was a smart move on his part too because he knows he's got soft tissue injuries and uh, that he might not stay on the field and he might not get this potential uh, at the uh, money that he can get, you know, for this longevity. So. We'll see what happens with him, but I'm not. I'm definitely not negative on on uh, on that side because I think that he can be an effective. He is an effective player when he's on the field, and it's not a comparison to Ellsbury because the money is just so different. Um, I do want him to see him stop playing golf. I kind of joked about this last time, but let's all be uh, be very real about that. Stop playing golf. Didn't work out for Cespedes. Yeah, hasn't worked out for you. I don't care. I don't want to hear A Rod mention it one more time ever in my life. Let's just stop playing golf because it can't be helping you. Yeah, especially when you see it on the other side of town, like you said, with Cespedes and how much everyone just, you know, jumps on him for it. You just, you got to put the clubs down because now you have a big boy contract yeah. too. You know, that that's the thing. Like you want $10 million a year and I get it. If you're, you know, you're making a half a million dollars a year, you're making $2 million a year, you have your hobbies, you're making $10 million a year. You don't need any hobbies. Your hobby is get better you at know, baseball. earning that $10 million yeah, a and year. I, yeah, exactly. And I don't, you know, I don't want that story to come out where he's on a on a ranch or a farm and getting you know stepped on and kicked by a donkey. Like those are things that we don't need. We don't need on this side of the town. We're going to keep that in Queens, and uh, you know keep those uh, those clown stories over there. Uh, last one before we wrap up is from Jacob. He's at J S uh, Lobedian L O B O D I E N. I probably butchered it, but there's your spelling. Interesting question for you guys. Since Glaber is on here, um, this is a uh, more basically from the, the New York Houston question uh, with Roflo when he was on with Andrew uh, Glaber's on here for shortstop. Would you recommend moving hit, moving on from DD this off season, shifting Glaber over and extending DJ's contract for the next 100 years? So let me, let me kick on this real quick. The, um, you know, I think that before this season started or even in the middle of the season, when we're, we're seeing DD come back at the fast pace that he did, we're saying, Didi's probably going to come back as a Yankee. You should extend him. Like he's great for this team. He's been a good player, um, and and done everything that that you want him to do. I think this year probably put enough shade on that whole situation where now it's definitely not a lock that Didi's coming back. It's probably the more the most open it's been since this conversation has started, um, and the fact that Lemayhew is here uh, and that he you know is a Gold Glove second baseman. Platinum. platinum goal, platinum second baseman, and the fact that that Glaber is a natural shortstop, this conversation is very real now, um, and and gives them more positioning on on you know what they could do. That being said, 
I don't think that that um, Didi's going to get a 15 to $17 million contract, kind of like you were alluding to earlier. I don't think he's got the leverage for that right now. I think that, you know, the you're going to see some lower some lower numbers pop out there. Um, maybe somebody will overpay, but I just kind of don't see it. Um, and, and, you know, maybe there's a team-friendly thing that we can get going on here and add some more flexibility to the team. But their leverage now is on the Yankees' side with Glaber, with LeMahieu, um, especially if they're able to work out an extension for the next you know, 2,000 years for DJ LeMahieu. Because I said this in the last show. I say you extend DJ LeMahieu for however long. Make it, you know, if, it's, if we're talking about real terms, four to five years. I believe that DJ LeMahieu, part of me is being real, part of me is not being real, but most of me is being real, that he would walk away if he was bad at baseball. He's like, you know what? I don't, I don't deserve this contract. I'm gonna walk away because I'm not the guy I I'm not I the guy that. that I I'm not the guy that I should be right now. And he'll just walk away. You're gonna take you're gonna take a man's money, you do exactly. a day's work. Like yeah. that kind of guy. I, I that's who I believe DJ LeMahieu is. He's like, you know what? The guy who's underneath me is playing better. I'm gonna walk away right now. And if you need me to to do whatever I need to do, coach, if you need me to be the um, you know, the new hitting coach or assistant to the hitting coach, I'll do that. Whatever I gotta do to help the team. I could see DJ LeMahieu doing that. And I do want LeMahieu being on this team. For the next five years, I think he's um, the exact guy I want on this team. But I do think there's enough right now, enough enough options for the Yankees to really, really consider not re-signing Didi. So Didi made eleven point seven five million dollars last year in his last year of you know, arbitration. What I mean now, not thinking as a rational person, thinking as a Major League Baseball agent. They're not going to ask for less right. money. They're going to ask for, at a minimum, essentially he's making $12 million. They're going to ask for 15 over like six, seven years. And you've got DJ LeMahieu making $12 million for just one more year. If you have to pick between the two of them, if you have to give someone $15 million for the next like handful of years, that person's DJ LeMahieu. Um, I think DD's a nice guy. I think he's great for the city. He loves being a Yankee, and he did the hardest job in the world, which is be the shortstop for the New York Yankees after Derek Jeter. But when he's bad, he's yeah. bad. Uh, you know, when he's good, you know, April 2018, he was the greatest baseball player in the history yeah. of the sport. Working the count, I taking walks, DJ stop, Le- swinging at everything. Like, there was a different approach there, too. Yeah, I think from a fundamental standpoint, like DJ LeMay, who's just a better fundamental player, and that falls off a lot slower than anything else because he, he'll make adjustments. I mean, he's a robot. All he's doing is watching game tape and, and trying to figure out how to get better. So I'm in favor, unless the Yankees are shocked by a request that is like, yeah, we'll take the same amount of money for like four years, five years uh, from, DJ's a- from DD's agent. I think you shift Glaber over, shift DJ over, and let him be the best second baseman in baseball, which he already is. And then we have 70 first basemen. We've got Greg Bird, Luke Voigt, Mike Ford. Um, technically, we still have an option on Edwin, which we got to give him $5 million or $20 million. I don't think that we end up picking that up. But we also have Miguel Andujar, who can you teach him to play first base? Uh, it's a lot easier than third base because you're not going to sit Gio or Shella down to bring, um, you know, to bring Andujar back. So I just think there's a lot more flexibility, especially with this, you know, next man up uh, that we saw all year to to walk away from it. Plus, if you take that request of 
15 million dollars um you know and, and maybe it's 14 million well look at dj's contract you just said it. dj's contract was was uh 24 over two right so you look at that how can yep. you possibly ask for more money than dj lemayhu and what he just did i mean you can major up uh, well i said rational right. person and we're dealing with well that's what I, but but dj did sign that like that's a that's now a precedent that happened that's on the books so now you have something yeah. that you can refer to um and and you know maybe it's uh, it's around that number, and maybe they try to go as high as 15, but I think a lot of it will depend on the years um, and, and what you're going to do there. And uh, I don't know if people are going to want to commit to to what they saw with Didi this year, you know, five years plus. I don't, I don't see that happening with the way contracts are, are going down, but who knows? You know, he's going to be in that, you know, maybe that 12 to 15 range. Um, and uh, But I think if you look at not just Didi, but as you look at, like, the whole list of, like, all the numbers around this team – you're looking at about $12 million with him and $17 million with Chapman, who is likely going to opt out. And I'm in favor of if Chapman opts out at this point, sliding Britain back, bringing yeah. Batances back in, on a team-friendly deal. And now you've got your eighth and ninth. Britain's a proven closer. And yeah, he's not Chapman, but he's a proven closer. And now you've just freed up $30 million to go out and get Garrett Cole that everyone wants. I just don't think that there's a Yankees team that has... Garrett Cole, Didi Gregorius, and Chapman all on. Well, if Chapman team. opts out, that's a big that's a big question mark. If he does opt out, if he thinks he can get more of a um, a longer contract on the free market, we'll see. Um, that's uh, you know, I it's potential, especially now he just won the uh, reliever of the year as well for the American League. Like that's another little uh, little notch on the belt for him as far as accolades go. But yeah, no, it's because he could opt <clears throat> out of this seventeen point two million dollar deal that he's got, you know, and get. And drop it down to 15, years. but add two or three more years on sure. the back. Sure, yeah, no, that's a, it's a real possibility. And I agree, if he does opt out, like, I don't want them to resign him at that point because I think there's there's opportunities to replace him. Even Chad Green, I think, would be um, more, more you know, suitable and, and, and actually better at the end of the bullpen. And, like, he's shown that he can be that guy, I think. So um, I, I think the Yankees have uh, plenty of options there, and I do hope Atances is back just because of the way his whole career has gone. Although I wouldn't, ex- I wouldn't doubt if another team gave him more years um, than the Yankees were comfortable with. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of positioning. I think that this year is going to be really interesting in the offseason because of Didi. I think throws a whole other wrench. Um, and and yeah, they got to. I know that the Yankees don't buy, uh, don't extend guys unless they're in arbitration at this point. Like that's kind of the new thing that the Yankees are doing. And I know DJ's not in arbitration, but it's essentially like that. It's a, it, you're, he's in a walk deal. He's essentially in the last year of arbitration. To, in the sense that he's got no more time after that, extend that guy. You gotta extend him. Like he's that good. He's like, and he adds the amount of flexibility to your team and the, on the on the defensive side too, because he could play third base, he could play second base, he could play first base. Like, invaluable. Um, so I I think I even said like when throughout the season when there were all these injuries, I was shocked that we never saw him like just taking some fly balls in the outfield when we had all the injuries there too because. He could probably play a corner outfield position as well. He might be the emergency catcher. Um, he he does strike me as a guy who, like, you know, hey, if you give him a fair offer and he's like, oh, that's a fair offer, I'll take it. Like, his agent, I could see his agent hating him. Or his agent's like, like oh, his no, uncle. that seems fair, I'll take you it. Know. Yeah, but I could also see if you go to him with uh, something that, you know, could be disrespectful, like he's done with you. Yeah, and and maybe that's what happened in Colorado. You know, they're like, oh, you're, you're, you're bringing on the... Uh, you you chose um, D- uh, Murphy over over me, or like you're talking about him. Like you think we're comparable players? Like no, no, no. no. I'll go. 
I'll go over to the Yankees and, and show you what's happening, who I really am. But no, I do hope that happens. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. This is going to be an interesting offseason. I really do think that there's going to be some uh, some things that we don't expect um, in this offseason. So uh, um, we're all going to be glued and we'll have a lot to talk about. Uh, thank you, JJ, for coming on and filling in admirably for uh, for Andrew as he is you know taking care of wedding stuff and doing the things that he needs to do. Um, I know everybody's excited. We got you coming back. Uh, November will be kind of a hiatus for George's Box. We're coming back with some some like awesome new things coming starting in December. So I know I'm excited about that, and I know you are too. Uh, but yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. So uh, follow on Twitter at George's Box Pod. Same on Instagram. Been getting our Instagram on over there. Uh, taking November off. You'll find out why in December. Some very exciting stuff going on. Um, super excited for for the new year uh, after a kind of the first year at Bronx Pinstripes and kind of getting to know like the audience that you and Andrew and like all the other writers have helped build um, over the years. Uh, everyone's like really welcomed me with open arms and it just makes me more excited for next year because you know we're going to win the World Series in 2020 and I just got to plug my own stuff. Follow me on Twitter at JJ from the Bronx. All right, guys. Thanks very much. And we will talk to you next week. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.